All right, greetings, programmers, and welcome to the Awesome Friday podcast on this, the weekend of June the 12th. How is it June already? Uh, my name is Matthew, and with me, as always, is not Simon this week. We are joined by <laughs> special guest uh, Rachel Hope from Toronto, all the way from Toronto. Say hello, Rachel. Hi, how are you? Thank you I'm... for having me on. No, thank you for being on. Simon, unfortunately, could not be with us because he has an eight-year-old daughter, and so it's her birthday weekend. So if you can imagine oh. the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and then multiply <laughs> the effort it would take to do that by about <laughs> 1.5, this is what he is currently embroiled in. <laughs> so. Are they also going to have like a light drone show or a drone light show? Is that going to be a thing? I assume so. I assume Obviously. it was last night because I know the sleepover with all the little friends was last night. Oh so uh, he's, I like uh, that kids still do that. That's fun. I like that they still people still get together for sleepovers. I think that's really cute. It is. It is, and we're out of the. You know, we're quote out of the pandemic now, so it's allowed. But even even if they weren't, like I'm pretty sure everyone with kids has just had COVID at this point because probably yeah. Children are a perfect delivery mechanism for germs. All of my friends who have kids have gotten sick, and I find I've just have been staying away from them. Quite frankly, I'm like, I don't need your germs. I'm good. I will be my my childless, healthy self. It's fine. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that is the that is the childless mantra right now. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rach, you join us from uh, the podcast ContraZoom, which I I when I guessed on it, you weren't there, which made me kind of sad. Yeah um but where else you write for a bunch of different places right so uh, tell us a little more about rachel yeah so i'm on contrazoom pod as you said with dakota and i believe spoiler alert i think you're coming on for another one soon ish possibly. uh yeah I'm, I'm supposed to join you guys for one of your a24 yeah perspectives which would be soon. really cool that'll be fun um and yeah and i i do some freelance film critic writing for who do i write for exclaim pov magazine and that shelf primarily the three of them uh yeah and i'd like to do reviews same exact same that you do i interview i review we we got to interview mark o'brien on the exact same day literally within the same hour of each other we were that's true him. i was like right after you i think right that was literally so i i actually got to interview him in person that's the benefit of being in toronto and not in vancouver is like i actually got to meet him and then just as i was leaving his hotel room or not i should say it's the hotel suite where they were doing the interviews it wasn't anything <laughs> there wasn't anything weird going on it was like a hotel suite very nice it's at the royal york very fancy um as i was leaving the publicist from mark was like oh like you got your zooms going on um awesome fridays is first and i was like hey i know that <laughs> i was like oh that's cool and then i think like I, I messaged you right after when i was on the train but yeah i thought that so yeah we do i feel like we have a lot of we get a lot of the same releases we have a lot of you know the same movies that we're both keeping an eye out for um you sent me a nice note about phantom of the open you you were kind of interested in that which we're talking about today which is fun yeah yeah that's our our second movie today will be the phantom of the open which i sought out entirely because you mentioned that you wanted to watch it on your <laughs> what are we looking forward to this year episode so yeah those those like kind of small british movies that i enjoy there was another one at um sundance uh shoot with bill nye that uh it's a remake of an akira kurosawa movie um oh what is it called now i can't even remember it's really good though i would highly <laughs> recommend it <laughs> bill nye it's a remake of akira um which is uh 
Kurosawa movie. I really wish I remembered the name of it now, but it's it's very, very good whenever it does come out. So I've been keeping it on that, and then that's how I ended up coming across Phantom of the Open, because I thought, old British white men. What's I mean, it's a, it's a very specific class of actor. And uh, they're all lovely, though. They're all very, like, charming, dapper, you know. I shouldn't say all of them. I'm sure some of them are pricks, but you know. <laughs> Mark, Mark Rylance is great, though. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I mean, we're we're obviously both doing this in a sort of Indian freelance kind of way in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I feel like every time I mention a publicist name, you're like, oh yeah, them. And every time anyone else mentions a publicist name, we're all like, yep, yeah, I talked to them because there's like it's so you know. And I'm fairly new to this, so it's just like I think you were the one who said it when I messaged you and I said like, <laughs> hope you enjoyed your chat with Mark. You were like, it's a really small, funny little world that we're in. Like, <laughs> it, it's so tiny and like we do all kind of know each other without even really actually knowing each other. Um, But yeah. And like all the, I I got to meet the publicist for um, Phantom of the Open in Toronto, like a few months ago. And it was just like a a really brief hello, but like, it's just funny. Like you're right. It's, it's such a small world, small community of people, especially because it's in Canada. And like, you know, we were, we were talking before too, about like, you know, I asked this very ignorant Toronto of like, do you guys get any of the big movies in Vancouver? <laughs> Does that happen? That mu- like they must not go outside of Toronto. That's just silly. <laughs> but like, but um, good for you guys. You do. You do get the big yeah. screening. Too. We do. It's actually really. Uh, it's uh, you know, I get invited to a lot of them now, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I can almost never go because I yeah. uh, you know, like most people doing this, I also have a day job, and most of the press screenings in Vancouver are like like there's one I really want to see. Um, uh, there's another, it's an A24, so Elevation Pictures in Canada release coming up called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yes. Which I'm very excited about. Yeah, and the, the press screening is at like 10 in the morning on a Thursday. And I... That's the problem. They are, like, I, I have to shift my schedule. I mean, I'm, I have a bit more flexibility because I work for myself, but like, um, it is still kind of annoying. And But the thing is, it's because I started doing it in COVID as well, it was a bit nicer because then it was like, oh, I can actually go see these movies in a relatively safe environment because there's what, like 10 other people there or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that, I really want to watch that movie. I'm hoping to get a, maybe they'll send you a screener link. You never know. You can just ask for one. I may, I may have already asked because I yeah. really want to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really cool. And it, like, I, I think it was Thomas. Um, was it Thomas Stoneham Judge? I really like his name. Uh, yeah, he was I heard him. Watch. I heard him raving about it on your podcast. Actually, yeah, he said it was really good. So yeah, I'm I'm really hyped for it. Hopefully, hopefully I get it soon, and hopefully you get to see it soon, and I'll listen yeah, to your podcast. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's also just funny because like we live in a large country. Like we are three thousand miles apart right now, mm-hmm. but there's like two publicists per studio at most. <laughs> and I have, an, I have a number of friends in the States who are like, who's got this Disney release? And they have like a list of like 10 names of the different Disney people. I just don't know. Like it's such a, such a scale difference. It is. I, I thought, so I was trying to get in touch with somebody at Disney for something. And I, I was like, oh, I only have this one person's email. So I emailed them and I'm just like, hey, sorry, like, I don't know if you're the right person, but like, if you could direct me to somebody else or whatever. And they're like, no, 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 you got the right person. I was like, no. Huh. one person does it all that's cool like because i kind of thought i I guess i kind of thought it would be like what the americans have which is a million different people on doing one thing but i mean their population is insane so it's true it's true and it's 
it's it's i just thinking to myself that like this is uh this is the most inside baseball podcast episode i think I've it ever is done. it really is i'm sorry i brought us down that road i do apologize no i went fully willingly i just hope that the listeners come too <laughs> you know what we could talk about because i was just listening to your um about top gun and the righteous and you and simon were talking about the um the, the three screen thing oh the um, screen screen x screen x so i yeah. saw somebody on instagram that had it and i was like whoa that's pretty like sick like i'd like to watch that but then i didn't think about it where it's like are there just moments where it's black like there's just nothing showing on the screen because they they didn't film it for that or is it always like constantly like that so you know what that's an excellent question that i don't know the answer to because i didn't you, see it in screen x saw it. yeah because yeah, yeah. you're right you were the one who said you don't like the gimmicky stuff so you're like, I don't like 3D. I actually agree with you. I don't really like going to those things. I prefer well, just a normal thing. Interestingly, I so I, my feelings on 3D are that I think when it's used to good effect, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But my biggest problem with it is that 99% of the time it feels like an afterthought. And when it feels, especially when it feels like an afterthought or when it's obviously done digitally in post, wearing the glasses mutes the color and there's never been any yes. like compensation for that um you know the few times where you see it and it's something that was like shot or intended to be in 3d like and my go-to example is always avatar you know the (laughs) the the biggest movie in the history of the world you know it's still the still the top grosser in the world uh but the 3d in that is exquisite and it was all shot in 3d and it was all designed with wearing 3d glasses in mind and it was super Mm -hmm. bright and colorful even with the glasses on and most movies just aren't like I, it took me two viewings of Dune last year to appreciate Dune because the first time I saw it was in 3D and it just looked like concrete the whole time. I didn't even realize they did a 3D Dune. I generally skip it because one, it makes me a little dizzy. 3D makes me a little dizzy. But also I have to wear glasses and I can't wear contacts. So I have to do the 3D glasses over the glasses, which is probably also con- contributing to the fact that I find it very dizzy. Um, but I, so I never go to 3D just because it's it's an, an incredibly uncomfortable thing for me, and it costs more. So I'm like, why am I paying more to be uncomfortable? Doesn't really <laughs> make sense. So yeah, I I don't I don't really go for that. I do like IMAX though, but I don't know if would you consider IMAX to be a, a gimmick for theater theatrical? No, I mean I, I find things like the D box, like the rumbling seats, like that's a gimmick. That here reminds know. me of Canada's Wonderland. Like it's an amusement park. Like it's a ride that you go on. And I remember doing those rides when I was young, but they weren't from movies. They were like, well, they were from movies, but like specifically made for the amusement park for that ride. And like, you're like, whoa, it's like, oh, whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I was like eight and it seemed exciting at the time. And I found it yeah. funny that I heard like they, like I know in Korea, they do the thing where they're like, if there's water, they'll like spray water at you. Which I find, <laughs> kind of, which I find oh, yeah. really funny. What do they call that? 4D? I think they call it 4D. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's like a fully, you know, if there's like a, I've heard there's some that do sense, like if there's like a smell or something, they'll like disperse something into the air and things like that. I find it all very I mean, maybe maybe it's amazing, but I just need a movie to take me on an emotional journey and not a physical one. So. I'd agree with that. If like I want a physical journey, I'll go to an amusement park and like do all those things. I don't necessarily think you need it at the movie theater, but I guess I don't know. They're trying to get different like people to come in because like I, I mean, guess we're we're clearly in the minority of just wanting to go to a movie and sit there and sit still and watch a two D film. Yeah, in silence while everyone else shuts up and puts their phone away. Oh my god, that's the other thing that press screenings have really 
um, spoiled me on because everyone in the press screen is obviously very well behaved. Like it's there's like ten of us, and you you don't want to be the one jerk who's got their phone out or something. Then you go to a, like a normal person screaming and that screening, and I'm just like, what is wrong with everybody? Like, put your phone yeah. away. Stop crinkling your snacks or whatever. But yeah, although I will say the best the best heckle I ever heard was at a press screening though, and it was years ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we were first podcasting. I got a press screening invite to see the theory of everything, which was that okay. Stephen Hawking movie. Yeah. It was at a super small theater, but it was actually, and I could actually go, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday or something. And I don't even know how many years ago this was. That movie was like 2013, 2014. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, um, we're watching this film and the projector, the digital projector failed. Like uh, at first it wouldn't work at all. And then they got the, the video working and then about five minutes in, the sound desynced entirely. Oh wow! And we were already pretty frustrated, but you know, no one was you know no one was saying anything, but like everyone was clearly like restless in their seat because we it was supposed to start at like eleven, and by this time it's like eleven forty-five, and it's the sound is desyncing. And uh, a local uh, personality whose name I won't mention until after we stop recording, <laughs> just like stood up or didn't even stand up. And he like just threw his head back and he was like, put a dime on the stylus for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty great. <laughs> <That's> pretty <funny>. <laughs> <This> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are younger in the audience, putting a dime on the stylus is a reference to a turntable. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Even I know, I don't know how I know that, but I do know that. Like, I never, I, well, I have a turntable now, but not when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, my favorite heckle, I was at a movie theater. I was watching The Orphan, mm -hmm. I think. And it was in the summer. And it was on a Tuesday night when movies used to be, like, dirt cheap on Tuesdays. I don't know if they still are. Um, and it was a packed theater. Um, and it was, like, 10.30 showing, like, a ten at night. It was really late at night. Somebody brought their baby to the <laughs> screening and like i i feel bad because i'm assuming it was a young mom who just wanted to go out and didn't know where to leave the her child i don't know if coming to the orphan was probably the best thing in the world to do but the baby <laughs> just wouldn't stop crying at the beginning which understandably because it's like it's loud and it's dark and there's a ton of people around things like that and so then this part somebody in the back of the theater just went who brings a baby to the movies <laughs> And this poor woman, like this poor girl, got up and left. And I, I felt, I actually felt really bad for it. But it was very funny, though, and it was a good one. Um, yeah, <laughs> one of my two favorite heckles in a movie. That um, the other one is not really safe to say on on record. I'll tell you it later, but I'm not yeah, going to okay. say it. <laughs> there's a bad word that I don't want to have associated with myself, so it's fine. Um, but yeah. I love going to the movies, though, and I do enjoy that we're able to do it again. I mean, I know Simon was complaining before about how expensive it is, and there's no really defending that. No, and, you know, it's harder for him, too, because, yeah, you know, it, he's got two he's got two kids, and uh, that's a lot of food, and the, food's, the food is expensive. Like, popcorn is expensive. Whereas, my like, parents, my wife yeah. my wife and I <laughs> live in decadence. We're, like, on a Friday night, we'll be about to rent something, and we'll be like, should we order Cineplex takeout? By Uber or whatever, we just, we do this. You guys on a, do that? Oh yeah, guys, way hello. way more frequently than I would care to admit. But it's uh, yeah, we so definitely funny. order popcorn, and then we like watch the watch our phone like very whoever's phone it is. We watch it very closely because like 
if they go to the theater, pick it up and bring it to us, it gets to us and it's still warm. But if they go, if they do that thing where they're doing multiple deliveries, then it's stone cold. Uh... We're always like waiting to give them a bad review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that Cineplex had like an Uber and I was like, who would order that? I was like in my head, I'm like, who would do that? Clearly, I'm very wrong. You are. Yeah. You're well, done. It's uh, dual income, no kids, so you know we can we can, af- we can afford forty dollars worth of popcorn and soda. Uh, again, way more frequently than I'd care to actually admit. But you I'll know. say my parents conditioned me as a young child to being like it's super expensive, never touch it, and I, I to this day never buy snacks at the movie theater. I, I bring yeah. my own water. <laughs> like I, I bring my own water and I don't buy I don't buy candy, I don't buy snacks because like just from a young age it was like it's really expensive to don't buy it. So I'm like I don't buy it. And and that's just the mentality I have. I am forever um a poor student, basically, in my mind. Yeah. Well well that's very much like the first movie we're gonna talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, except it's really not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's a, that's 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 the most inside baseball and interesting uh, banter section we've done in a while. So thank you for that. No um, problem. We're going to move on. We're, so we have two movies to talk about this week. Uh, the first of which is a new release from Netflix starring Adam Sandler called Hustle. Um, this is the story of he's a uh, he plays a character called. Uh, what is his first name? His last name is Sugarman, which is Stanley. great. Stanley, Stanley Sugarman. Man the man. Who's, uh, in the start of the movie, he's a, a scout for a basketball team for the Philadelphia 76ers. And his sort of lifelong dream is to become a coach. And you can tell he's, even just from the opening montage, that he is super world-weary, super tired of being on the road. Um And he finally, when he gets back, he finally gets his chance to be a coach. And then he's immediately due to circumstances I won't spoil here exactly. He's immediately sent on the road again, but then he's reinvigorated by finding this basketball phenom in Spain, who's played by uh, uh, Juancho Herman Gomez, who's a real-life basketball player. And the rest of the movie is basically him coaching and training this guy to be an NBA player and to get a high spot in the draft. And uh, I'm going to start by saying that I really enjoyed this movie. Did, I did too. Uh, I, it's fine. Like I, I thought it's a sweet movie. It's a good. It's like, it's formulaic, but nothing wrong with formula. I, in my opinion, as long as it's done like kind of well, and I think it was fine. Like I, I have to admit, I don't buy Adam Sandler as a former college basketball player who played with like, you know, Kenny and who played with Stockton. Like I didn't really buy that. I was like, <laughs> really, Adam Sandler of all people. Like, but I know he, he's like a, a big basketball nut like just in general i think that that's sandler's thing um it is yeah but, there was a there yeah, was a super I, interesting I like article it. super interesting article about him a couple of years ago or maybe even only last year i don't know time is a construct but um <laughs> about him being like the king of pickup basketball like wherever he's filming there's pickup basketball happening oh, and uh, he does seem to really love the sport but yeah i don't know if i necessarily buy him as a former player either yeah even like a, I know he he was never um he it's never said that he's like an NBA player but even college I was like I don't I don't really buy that he made it to a college level. Yeah, Maybe Adam Sandler's I mean, great, and I'm just like you know put my foot in it, but like it just I didn't really buy that. But in general, though, I thought the movie was sweet. Like I think it's it's a nice film. I think the thing I liked about it the most was like I thought the camera work was really really cool. I'd never really yeah. seen um like I haven't watched too too many basketball movies, but. 
it's an interesting way to shoot that type of sport because it is more difficult than say like baseball where it's like a bit slower and you can take your time in between um, in, in like the setups with the batter and pitch and all that. Whereas this is just like really, really quick back and forth. But I thought this was like a really nice way. I think it was, um, I had his name in my head, Zach Mulligan, I think is mm-hmm. the DP for the movie. Um, and I thought that for me, I was really fascinated by that throughout the whole movie, which I don't know. Does that say I really like the movie? Cause all I could think about was how good the camera work was. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, to I be fair, yeah, Zach Mulligan is the right name. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, I. I mean, you're not wrong. I think one of the most memorable things about this movie is the way it's shot, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of interesting, like first-person shots. Like they clearly must have mounted, either had a camera in front of someone playing against it, or GoPros on bodies or whatever. But also lots of really interesting, like wire shots and drone shots of cameras mm-hmm. floating over the game. And for me, it really reminded me that basketball is a really fun sport to watch like it's really fast-paced and exciting and as a baseball guy i kind of forget sometimes that other sports are you know stuff moves (laughs) don't be wrong i love baseball and when it's exciting it's really exciting it just comes in like fits and starts right but it basketball's on the move all the time and this this movie does a really good job of making it seem really exciting i think basketball actually lends to it could lend to really interesting movies which is why i find it funny that they don't make as many basketball movies like i think there's by far more baseball movies out there in terms of sports than there are oh yeah 100 it's it's gotta be baseball like ahead by a mile but like i think basketball it's like it is so it's fun like the whole like it is very i hate i always hate using this word because i think it's really overdone but it's like it's a really dynamic sport like the way that it's shot and the way that you do it and it looks great. And that's why like hype up videos for NBA is like far cooler than any other sport can make a hype video for their players because it just, it's like, it's so theatrical in many mm-hmm. ways that the, just like basketball is, is a general sport. Um, but I liked it. I thought it, it kind of, the thing that I thought was interesting about it though, is I believe it's rated R, even though it's on Netflix. Like I know, I think it's rated R and that was simply for language. Mm-hmm. Um which I found funny because to me, the movie is, I think it's like a, the perfect group to watch it would be preteen high school. Like, I think that they would be the ones who get the most out of it, especially if you're a massive basketball fan, because they have so many cameos by NBA players. Like the amount of NBA players that got involved in this is insane. Um, yeah, and that's why I thought it was, too. it's tons of tons of people. But I thought it was interesting that like the coolest, like the group that I personally think would like it the most, if it had been released in theaters, they might not have been able to actually go to the theater to watch it because of just some trash talk language. It wasn't even that bad. I don't know why it got a rated R, but you know. Yeah. It's funny actually, cause I don't know what it is rated. It's rated. If it's rated R in the States, I don't know what it would be rated in Canada. Probably like 14, 14, a probably. 14 probably yeah, cause we're, different. we're a little less prudish up here. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're totally right. Like if I like if I was 14, 15, this movie would be at like the top of my list, probably. Uh, actually, I have a friend who's a pretty big basketball fan, and I watched this movie. I actually watched it pretty late at night, and he has a five-year-old. So, sorry, Sean. But um, I text as soon as we were done watching it, I just texted him. I'm like, there's a movie coming out next week called Hustle, and you need to make sure it's on your list. Because <laughs> uh, he... Uh, I, I honestly haven't talked to him since, but uh, I hope so, because it's exactly up. Adam Sandler and basketball is like directly up his alley. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I, I really appreciate about this movie is that it's 
it's really sweet and even though adam sandler does sort of dial it to 11 at certain times it also reminded me that you know when he wants to be he's a really good actor and it's not bad yeah i i mean i grew up in the time when adam sandler was kind of annoying i won't lie i was never a big sandler fan growing up like i had friends who loved him but it just wasn't my brand of humor or whatever so i never really found him that funny but uncut gems i think for a lot of people was the first time people were like huh interesting yeah <laughs> i mean when he's he... not that annoying he can be he can be good yeah and same with like say uh punch drunk love is another example yeah, of yeah right. him him doing well and even he's even just been in a number of just sort of pretty straightforward movies uh one that for some reason always springs to mind is that movie spanglish which is just Never a pretty straightforward like family yeah. family drama about a family who has a, a spanish or a, a latina uh nanny living with them um it's just kind of a lovely movie and he's kind of lovely in it you know like i don't know if it's good but he's kind of good in it and when he wants to be he's actually a pretty solid actor and i think him and Herman Gomez in this together have a really interesting and good coach and player chemistry and also sort of, you know, like father son type energy as well, which is on purpose. But I was I mean, really impressed with Wancho's acting because he's 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 a basketball player. Like I, I wouldn't have expected him. I actually didn't realize because I, I don't follow NBA very closely. I didn't know he was an actual basketball player. And I looked him up like as I was watching it and I'm like, oh shit, this guy's actually a basketball player. I'm like, he's a really good actor. Like, considering that this is not his day job, like, that's not what he does. What he does is he plays basketball. I just thought they found a really tall Spanish fan who was just very good at basketball. That's what I thought had happened, and they did, but who also ends up playing in the NBA. But he was really, really good, and I it kind of it reminded me a bit of, um, like, LeBron in Trainwreck, where you're a bit surprised. You're just like, oh, like, these guys are actually fairly charismatic and like they they could be actors if they wanted to, like if they worked at it a little bit more or whatever like they could be Bobon is another one who yeah. could definitely be an actor if he wanted to be yeah i actually really uh, i mean it helps that um he's basically just playing himself right like, it's, it's true. Not, yeah it's yeah, not it's that big true. of a stretch but i mean you don't i know i'm in i'm sort of in the minority in in these days where I, I my opinion is that to be a good actor you just have to be emotionally true in any given scene you don't have to necessarily like fully transform yourself and you're right uh herman gomez is, is really good and really effective in all the places that he needs to be uh, not just physically but emotionally but it's also so. super impressive to watch him play basketball <laughs> so. yeah yeah it may it did make me kind of want to play basketball i was like i haven't played i haven't like played in <laughs> I don't know, 15 years, but I'm like, I think I can make a go of it. I was like, I totally play. <laughs> totally play. Yeah. Um, I but yeah. Kind of want to go out and play some street ball. I'm six foot, I'm not very good, but I am six foot five. So I sort of have that. Oh, know. Jesus. Are you really? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm five, one and a half. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I never really had a career in basketball. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, but, you know, um, I didn't because everyone always asked me if I did. And I, was I heard that's the thing with tall guys and every yeah. tall guy would always be like do you play basketball like I always heard um was it Conan O'Brien always says that people had yeah. all growing up everyone always asked him if he played basketball and he was like no it's not what I do <laughs> you play any sports though you said you like baseball did you play baseball I, I don't I don't play anything anymore but uh mm -hmm. I did I did play uh baseball and uh tennis and golf when I was younger so you, you know. used your height for something that's good yeah yeah 
Yeah, exactly. As a short person, I feel like all tall people should be using their height for for good. Cause... Well, there's definitely shelves in this house that I can reach that my wife can't, so I do put it to some use. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, as a short person, I used to always wonder what the top of a fridge looked like because it turns it's out not, it's not really it's, it's not, not that exciting, exciting at all. No. Yeah, I know. I literally took a chair once and I, I stood on it. And I went, oh, it's, not, it's not really anything up here. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But, um, but anyways, back to Hustle. I really, you know who else I really liked in it was Latifah because I haven't seen Queen Latifah in a movie in a while now, it feels like. And that just might be me like not watching her stuff, but like watching her in it, it made me feel really happy. So I was like, oh, I loved her when I was a kid. I thought she was yeah. so great. I really also, nice her again. I also really like her. She's been on T. I think the reason she hasn't, I haven't seen her in anything since probably since Girls Trip, which was a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's been on TV recently, I think, which might be part of that. Interesting. I but like it was her. Also, I've always, I th- like cool. Yeah, she's super cool, and I thought that her and Sandler were a really interesting match and had really great chemistry. I also really there's a young woman who plays her their daughter in the film. Who I thought was pretty great. Who's she's name? excellent. Excellent. Uh, what was her name? Jordan Hall as Alex Sugarman and she was I I haven't seen her in anything before but I thought she was great I liked her too I thought she was very very cute and like the way that she played I think it's like a high school student right um, yeah like grade 12 perfect. yeah I thought she was amazing like that I like the little family dynamic that they had there I thought it was very sweet and very realistic too like I Sandler and Latif I'm sure they've probably known each other for a long time but they have like a very comfortable way about the two of them that you could buy yeah they would be married like and they would probably have like a really really lovely marriage and raise like a cool kid even i like the idea that the kid was not at all athletic even though the two parents sandler is meant to be athletic just saying still don't buy it but it's fine but you know i I he was injured he was injured so he has an excuse yeah yeah And just circling back, just to, you know, we were talking a lot about Herman Gomez, Juancho Herman Gomez being, you know, uh, an effective actor. You know who else I found very effective was uh, Anthony Edwards, who played um, Kermit, the sort of like basketball playing (laughs) uh, rival of the man of his character. Um, And he basically just plays a, a dick. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. he plays them really well like really an overly well. an overly cocky other prospect and he's super effective the whole time uh, you just I you love know they, i love that they gave him the name kermit too it's like such a random name that they gave him um but he i agree he's very 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 good like in the role what whatever they're giving to him to say like you know you're going to be the arrogant prick in this i don't know the man personally i assume let's assume he's a nice guy Let's assume he's nice. Um, but, you know, I they played it. They did, It was a really good dynamic. Like, I genuinely am always very impressed when you take non-actors and put them into into this kind of... And it's not like a small movie either, I would say. Like, you're talking, it's like a Netflix movie. It's on Adam Sandler, you know. It's it's big enough. And it's I think LeBron is behind for as, like, a executive producer. So it's like it's got a good backing behind it. Um, and I'm really impressed that these guys were able to come out and... As much as, like, you say, like, oh, like, maybe they're playing somebody who's similar to who they are. Not to say Mm. Anthony Edwards is a dick. I'm sure he's a a very lovely young man. But it's, like, it's hard. It's very hard to do because you're so self-conscious. Like, if you're on camera trying to even just act as yourself. Like, it's not easy doing that stuff. So, yeah, I thought both of them did a really, really good job. Yeah. 
So I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, I I really enjoy, I had a really good time watching this movie. You're you're not wrong when you say that it's formulaic, but it's a pretty good formula. <laughs> you know, I it's so. uh, yeah, it works. I, it works, and it's. Yeah, I think maybe my only snag on it is Sandler because I just don't buy him as a former college <laughs> athlete. But I do agree, though. I think he is good in it. When if I look past that stuff, if he's just meant to be a coach or a scout trying to be a coach. Yeah. I think he was pretty good. What do you think of Ben Foster's bald cap? Was it a bald cap? Was it a bald cap or did he shave his head? It didn't look quite right, though, did it? It was very distracting to worst, me when I seen Worst actor in the movie. Not Ben Foster, just his bald head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I found it really distracting. I was just like, like, is it shaved or is it? It had to be a bald cap because you're right. It didn't look right. Like Something was off about it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I remember at the beginning of the movie being like looking at it and being like, something doesn't, doesn't look right here. <laughs> and then about after a few minutes being like, if I keep focusing on this, I'm not going to enjoy the movie. So I'm going to just let True. it go. Um, I clearly couldn't let it go. Cause I just kept looking at it and like, <laughs> what is wrong with his head? But um, I mean, like Ben Foster also is a really good at playing an asshole. So uh, I, I just tried to focus on him being great in the movie. Ben Foster is very good at playing assholes. He kind of almost solely does that in all of his movies. And I'm inclined to believe that he is not a very nice person in general. I've heard, I like was, I was watching some interviews and people were like, yeah, he's not actually like a really nice dude. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe that fits. But um, we didn't even talk about the fact that Robert Duvall is in the movie. And I mean, that's how they got him into this. I find incredible because he doesn't do very much anymore. He's like, he's quite, you know, he's older now. No, and I I have exactly no insight into this, but my my understanding is that Adam Sandler, for all you know, you can debate the quality of his films, and people do because some <laughs> of them are good and some of them are trash. But lots of people keep working with him, and lots of people seem to want to work with him. And my understanding about that is just that he creates a really good environment on set and he's a super nice dude and super genuine and just wants to make movies and have fun. And I think that's the reason Jennifer Aniston has been in a whole bunch of his movies. Yeah. I think it's the reason he has that whole crew of guys that often show up to work with him. Um, I think he's just probably a super, super chill, super nice guy and people want to work with him. And who else? And, and also, I mean, the other option is that he's only Robert Duvall who is always great, like always a win, full stop, is really only in the movie for about five minutes. And yeah. that's exactly the kind of role you might see an older man show up for. You know, you know, be be the older, stately, authoritative person that the torch needs to be passed from. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Here's my here's my bill, you know. Yeah. I like seeing like that kind of old guard on TV or TV. I mean, it kind of was TV because it was Netflix. Yeah. Um, but I like seeing them. Like it's I there's something probably it's just like nostalgia of like oh i grew up watching older movies when they were already kind of old in them already but like um uh, i was watching what was I watching recently oh I, I i watched um the conversation on in theaters uh, actually they they had it in um at the the light box downtown in toronto and they were showing a print of it um and it was like a special thing and it was just nice seeing Gene Hackman on screen and like that kind of generation of actors, just like, even if it's their older stuff, like it's just nice. Cause you know, they're obviously 
not working as much and they're getting older and you know not doing the same types of stuff they were doing before but i enjoyed seeing robert duvall i I didn't i knew nothing about this movie other than it was a sandler's basketball movie so i had no idea robert so when he came on i was like that robert duvall i was like holy crap how'd they get robert duvall um but so i was really happy to see him in that yeah was good so i think overall i think we both enjoyed it on a on a what would you give it out of five we're going to do our scores and and to be clear uh just in case you didn't know we only do whole numbers no halvesies i hate that yeah it keeps me more honest though which and i I know simon hates it too but it keeps me more honest i'll go first i'll say that i had a really good time enjoying this it is very formulaic but it's four to five for me i really enjoyed it wow i probably do three if you gave me a half i might do two and a half but i think it's a solid three for me and like, yeah. and I enjoyed it. I really did. I think it's a nice movie. It's just, yeah, maybe it's not exactly cut for me, but I, mm-hmm. I like, I thought it was fine. I thought it was nice. There's some funny moments in it, and like I said, like there, it's filled with a bunch of actors who I do like, other than Ben Foster. I'm not a big fan of, but they're all very good. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked it. Like it's, it's a, it's a nice movie. It's, it's a sweet movie, and it's like one of those like really non-offensive movies to me. And like, just like, yeah, go watch it enjoy like for 90 minutes to two hours however long it is yeah a nice little movie to watch on a like a lazy sunday yeah it's i mean for me this is one of those movies where it's you're right it's it's uh i keep saying formulaic i sound like a broken record and it is (laughs) and it is inoffensive and it is all of these things and that's exactly why i'll be able to watch it like a thousand more times and, and and enjoy it a thousand more times and everything about that uh the relationship between sandler and um herman gomez really worked for me and i thought mm-hmm. that you know it's in a in the same way where it maybe it isn't made exactly for you maybe it was made exactly for me so there you go yeah there's a, there's a, what is it there's a pot kettle cover pot lid there's a lid for every pot that's the one you're looking for yes that's the thing it is but yeah, no, it's like, I, th- I think a three out of five, though, is still a pretty solid movie. No, it is. It's totally, that's not a, that is not a bad review. That is a no. <laughs> perfectly fine review. Yeah. Good. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to our second film, which since uh, I watched pretty much because of your enthusiasm, uh, why don't you take <laughs> us through the basic plot of The Phantom of the Open? Sure. Phantom of the Open. It is a movie about an actual man named Morris uh, Flitcroft. And it stars Mark Rylance as Morris Flitcroft. And basically the story of him is he was an, even saying an amateur golfer is probably being more generous. He was like just a, a an older gentleman, like a middle-aged older gentleman who fancied playing golf and decided to apply to the British Open somehow kind of through some weird admin stuff got in uh, and he went on to hit the worst round in i want to say british open history but it might be like golf history just like across all of the different <laughs> opens and he was terrible but it kind of in it in ignited this underdog love for him and um even but it caused a bit of obviously mockery as well and then throughout his whole life he would go in disguises this was 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 back in like the 70s and he would wear wigs and you know different fake mustaches and all that kind of stuff and try to get into different opens around you know he tried to go back to the british open he tried you know to play at different golf tournaments um and he was always a really really bad bad golfer but uh 
I enjoyed it. I thought like the funny thing to me is when I heard the premise of the movie, I thought it was going to be like a very, I don't want to say slapstick, but I thought it was going to be a very like, like a hilarious catch me if you can. Like just one of these things where it's like, you're always moving and you're awesome. But then it ends up, the movie ends up being a lot quieter and a lot sweeter and almost more of a family drama than anything else like there are funny moments and there are those kinds of things but um yeah it 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 wasn't the movie I thought it was going to be but it still ends up being something that I I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it also um you know Mark Rylance is another actor that for me is always a win Mm -hmm. like he's he's very very good in this (laughs) in the same way that you couldn't necessarily get past Adam Sandler as someone who was being even formerly athletic I had a, I had a, I had a kind of a hard time because so the the first, the big first time he goes to the British Open in real life in 1976, he was in his mid, Flitcroft was in his mid 40s, and Mark Rylance is 62. Yeah, he looked really old in this. And too. so he, I mean, even in my head, he was like he was a he was a dock worker, he was a shipbuilder, he had a rough life, he just was aged up. Pre- <laughs> like, but like uh, at the end of the day, I just couldn't quite get even. You know, the the end of the movie is uh, I think in the late eighties or maybe even the early nineties, yeah. and even then I was like, he still looks just kind of too old. You know, <laughs> and there's a couple flashbacks to when he's supposed to be like in his twenties and meeting his wife, and I'm like, okay, there's just a flashback, you know, it's fine, <laughs> but the main part of the movie when he's supposed to be like 45 and he's actually 65. I had, I had a hard time with that a little bit, especially since his wife who's played by Sally Hawkins is the correct age. She's like 46 or 47, I think in yeah. real life. And um, I don't know that it, this is like the most minor of nitpicks ever though. Like he's still really good. He's still quite funny. And Rylance is really good at finding that sort of like childlike naivety to, to make the character really work. And think, since the movie hinges on him entirely, I think that's pretty important. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, 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 there's, there's a moment in it where they mention he's like forty something or forty five, and I was like, wait, what? He's supposed to be? <laughs> I said, all right. I, my head was, oh, people just looked older back in the seventies. It's true, they did. People looked I, older, so you know that's why. And I, I just, I thought whatever, but. I think one of the cool things about this, or one of the things that really worked for me with this movie was Mark Rylance playing the character really straight. Like he didn't Mm -hmm. play it in kind of the zany way that I actually thought was going to be the case. I thought it was going to be like a very eccentric man, like a very kind of quirky fellow, but he ends up playing it just as like any other middle-aged man in the seventies. Like he's, he's no different to anybody else. And I found that that's kind of what made the movie work more than this is why I don't write movies because I clearly would have gone the other way and wrote like a really <laughs> terrible script. But it's like, I, I like the way that Rylance plays it of just being just like everyone's dad, basically like every, every man who's ever, you know, hit that middle age and you're just like, Oh, like maybe I'll start playing golf now or whatever, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, I think that really, really helped the movie. And like you said, the movie is carried on his back. So, Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, too, even based on what I so I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I just, you know, I got the email that it was coming and I was like, oh, I want to see that. And I was kind of expecting like middle aged uh, Happy Gilmore. 
was sort of what I was expecting. Um, yeah, fair. And um, but it's really not that. It's just it is. You're right. It's the story of this just kind of sweet man who, and even he has three kids in the movie, and every all the time he's like, "Shoot for your dreams. Just do what makes you happy," and it is all so sincere, and yeah. and every moment of it is so sincere that it it kind of. I mean, it probably works better than I think that you know, middle-aged so, yeah. Happy Gilmore would have been. Um, this is why and, we, you, and I are not in the in the business of actually writing scripts. This is why we don't do that because we yeah. would have written terrible movies. That's true. That's probably true <laughs> for, for for this particular treatment. We would have been like pitching it, and it just would have been all wrong. Yeah, and I, I wonder, I wonder how much of it came from the script and how much of it came from Rylance, but it is. Everything about it is so. I guess again, I'm going to keep using this word because it is so perfect. But everything about it is so sincere. One of my yeah. favorite moments in the entire movie is um, so he's finally he's somehow gotten into the British Open, and mm-hmm. he's and he's put into a quartet, and all three of the professionals tee off before him, and all three of them their name is announced, and people clap. And they they tee up their ball and they pick up some grass and they throw it and they judge the air, they judge the wind, and he's watching them do this and the look on his face is one of like mm-hmm, yep yep mm-hmm, yep and then when it's his turn people clap and he tees up his ball and he just picks up some grass and tosses it and doesn't pay attention to it like it's clear that his character it's never called out or anything but it's clear that his character just thinks that this tossing of the grass is like a ceremonial thing that you do when you tee off for for, for golf and just the look on his face. And him not engaging with the action at all. I, 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 I laughed out loud. My wife looked at me funny at that moment because I was laughing so hard. But it's sort of, you know, emblematic of the rest of that, of the character's sort of like approach to anything. He's just, he's just there to learn. There's even a moment earlier, right before that, where he's talking to another player about, you know, how to make mistakes, about what happens when you make mistakes. And he just says, mm-hmm. yeah, making a mistake is another opportunity to learn something new about golf. <laughs> and I have that scene to where a reporter goes to him and is like you know uh, it's like you hit the worst round in in british like in the british open history and he's like oh i mean you know it's, it's my first time golfing so it's like it can only go up from here and, and i was like what i like it like again like you say it's sincere he just says it in such a sweet way of just like yeah i know i'm in this massive golf tournament that people like like would love to be a part of and I'm yeah I just thought well it's my first time like it'll get better don't worry about me like I'll, I'll get better and things like that and yeah I like too because they showed that scene in the um what was it the parking lot and uh, of like on a tv show and he's mm-hmm. just supposed to get like in like the mini putt kind of thing into it and he, it's not working then at the end of the movie they actually show some clips of the real Morris Flint Clough and they show that scene in like the the studio and he actually said you know why well, I think the floor is a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's a little it's sloped here. I'm like, that's adorable. Like, it's very sweet. Yeah. Or when he misses the first shot and he's like, that that were a practice. <laughs> it's like a four foot putt. Yeah. 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 It's very, there's a lot of good, like, little moments in there that just makes it good. And Sally Hawkins, I think, is, I mean, she's always very, very good in whatever she does, but. Um, I liked her role in it as it is like the wife role, if you want to look at that, like just kind of that that wife role. But 
you know, she makes it like she really is. They always talk about like the heart of a movie. And mm-hmm. even though you would think Mark Rylance's character should be the heart of the movie, to me, it was more of Sally Hawkins's character. Oh, yeah. You know, that one just kind of grounds the film and, and, um, you know, is the backbone to Maurice in many, many ways. And I think it, she's, she's amazing. I always love her in every, every single thing she's done. I don't think I've ever watched her and been like, uh, she's, she, she's off her game today. That Sally Hawkins, like she's always in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think she has ever been off of her game. No, I don't think so either. That's the, which is unusual. I don't think you haven't, you could say the same thing about Mark Rylance too. I don't think he's ever done a, a bad performance. He's been in maybe not great movies, but he's never done a bad performance, I don't think. Uh, certainly not that I've seen. I don't think. But you're you are right that she's definitely the heart of the film and it would be easy to it would be easier for a worse film to just have her be like the the sort of the dutiful wife who just does whatever mm-hmm. Morris says, but and it's hard to, to talk about without sort of spoiling a pretty important conversation at the end of the movie, but there is more to it than that. And uh, when it comes time for her to like, you know, flex her acting muscle mm-hmm. uh, and sort of explain why, why Morris, why Morris is doing what he's doing and why she's supporting him in doing it. I thought that that particular scene was, was really well done and really affecting especially given and again without i don't want to spoil any part of it but given who she's talking to in that moment i thought that that whole scene was very was excellent yeah it was very very good and i like you know the the real life story of it between the time we obviously don't know how true to real life they actually kept it but you know i always i like that idea like you kind of touched on it before of, of him being uh, like a follow your dreams kind of dad not a go get a good get a good education get good grades go get a proper job kind of dad yeah. and like she is right there with him for that like the, the as a couple they're just very like you know do what makes you happy if you want to enter like they they have two kids who enter um what is it the disco they want to be disco dancers yeah. they enter you know this disco content and their parents are just like oh that really well done like you won that competition good for you like that that's exactly and it's like and I like that the movie talks about like, yeah, it's good that you have that, but there's also a downside to that as well. Like there's mm-hmm. a clear downside to it. Um, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a really well done movie. It's one of those movies that I think the more that I think about it, the more that I like it and the more that I appreciate it. Yeah. I, uh, I yeah, that's exactly it. I, I really like the movie. I don't, uh, I think you might've liked it a little bit more than me to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I felt in the same way that, uh, Hustle was a little bit sort of formulaic. As much as this one was well-performed, I found, you know, it's a pretty standard um, is, under, yeah. underdog sports film uh, and maybe not made for me in exactly the same way that Hustle was. Fair enough, um, yeah. I was also thinking afterward, I you know, I couldn't think of another British sports movie that wasn't also about someone who was really bad at the sport, which I find really interesting. But the only other British sports movie I can think of is that Eddie the Eagle movie, so... <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is about a guy who is, you know, he just decides to be a ski jumper one day in the yeah. same sort of way. If there, if there's another one. I don't know. I, you know what I did like, too, is that he becomes like a big thing in America. Like mm-hmm. they, they form that club and like they have an open just um, for him in the States. And I'm like, only in America do I feel like they would, would he be able to become like famous? 
mm-hmm. in that. Like, there's not many other countries where you could be terrible at something. Because in, in Britain, especially around that time, they're being, like, very stuffy, aren't they? They're just, like, yeah. you're bringing great dishonor to, to this, this, um, this, you know, this institution. institution. Yeah, yeah, like, they're really like that. Whereas the Americans are just like, this is great. Like, look at this guy. Like, this is hilarious. I love it. So, yeah, yeah and, I, I and probably... No, go ahead. No. Uh, I was just saying, you know, by the time he goes to America, that tournament, like the Morris Footcroft Open, is in. It's like yeah. they take him over there for the tenth anniversary of it. Like they've been having this tournament where the worst score wins for ten years at that point. <laughs> Very funny to me, and it kind of it made me think a lot too about like this is done in the seventies, and this was just a man. I mean, if we take the movie for what it is, it's like it's just a man who kind of just on a whim said, "I'd like to play golf," and oh hey, there's there's a golf tournament called the British open. I'm just going to go into this one because like, that's what you do if you play golf. Whereas I think about like today, how many, you know, those social media influencers and all that kind of jazz, like what people do to become famous and like to like, they outright will humiliate themselves or they will do things on purpose to stand out like that. Whereas this man is a, obviously of a different generation, but like it did, I, I, that kept flashing through my head the whole time I was watching. I was just like, it's so out of place, especially in our current mm-hmm. entertainment situation of who becomes famous and, and who, how do you make money? You know, like he, he probably could have done pretty well at this point, but he's maybe a bit too genuine to do well at, in our, in our current I mean, state of affairs. Yeah. That's sort of, it, isn't it? Right. Like even if, even if Morris Flitcroft had started this year, if, 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 if this story had been taking place in the last like five years, I think it definitely would have been Happy Gilmore, but middle aged. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, because he would have been like zany and very, very purposefully bad trying to make it work, right? Whereas yeah, this, because exactly. the other thing to consider is that you know he never gets good. I think it would be a stretch to say he became he became a great golfer, but he does get better every time he plays yeah. throughout the movie. Like by the time yeah. the, it gets to the end of the movie, he's not like winning tournaments, but he's a, by the end he seems to be a solid golfer. Like that thing he says at the end of the first British Open where he's like, well, it was only my first round of golf ever, so I can only get better. And then he does because he just keeps yeah. playing golf, you know, practices the road to perfection. <laughs> it's true. That is true. And like, I mean, keep bringing it back to like the idea of like if it were an American movie, like he would have become, if this were an American production, he would have just become like the number one player in the PGA circuit. Like that's how they would have or, ended yeah. it. That's like a real feel good under, underdog story. Yeah, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's. Uh, I think that the whole message about following your dreams is probably a pretty important one. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that it exists in the form of this movie. And, and again, I can't... Uh, I can never fault Mark Rylance for being in anything. That's two good Mark Rylance movies this year, too. So I feel pretty... Yeah. I feel like we're having a pretty good Mark Rylance year. I wasn't expecting... What was that other movie called again? Um... The, the Outfit. I was not expecting that to be good, and then it ends up being good, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this is such yeah. a decent movie. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, don't don't bet against Rylance. I think it's the lesson true. here. Very very true. Yeah. So, um, what would you give this one out of five? Funny enough, even though I was much more positive on this one, I would give it a three as well. Like I, mm-hmm. I think I would have done this at like a three and a half. And then Hustle would have been like more of a two and a half coming up three, three and a half going down to three. Mm-hmm. So it averages out to, I also would give this one a three, which is kind yeah. of funny. And me too. 
if uh, you know if I would give if I was giving half stars, I think it would be a three and a half, but uh, it's a three. It's uh, and it's interesting because I had to sort of when I decided to only do full scores, I just was in my head. I was like, well, three and a half is just a really high three, so this is a three. It's it's a really good three. It's a very solid three. Yeah, very very yeah. solid three. Three plus. It's a yeah. Three plus. Good. Uh, well, I have no idea what's coming up on the show next week because we haven't sorted that out yet. Uh, but where? What's next for you? What do you got coming up? You obviously uh, will have an episode of ContraZoom coming out. I think the day after this. Yes. Um, we've got. We just recorded it today. What is it? Cronenberg, David Cronenberg episode. So we look over, uh, Naked Lunch, Video Drone the fly and then we talk a bit about his new one crimes of the future um which you, we just kind of go seen. over it. yes yeah which um all three of us we had uh, a guest alicia moogle on it who uh, is also a big um cronenberg fan so that was fun that was really really good conversation actually so yeah we got the cronenberg episode coming up on crown zoom pod i have a article about cronenberg as well on coming up on exclaim sometime next week i'm not too sure when it's going to be published and then uh uh, oh, I mentioned your Mark O'Brien interview. Mine's now actually out on that shelf, which took a little while to get there, but we got there. It's out. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's out. It's done. Um, yeah, that was good. Nice. Uh, well, I think that wraps it up for us then. Um, uh, as always, thank you to everyone who is listening. And I know the from our, our stats tell us there's a few more of you this week. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, we appreciate everyone who... Uh, listens and engaged if you like what you heard please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice that helps in ways that cannot be measured uh, or if you'd like to support us a little more directly we do have a patreon and a Kofi, which will be linked in the show notes uh, we produce this here in vancouver on the unceded lands of the musqueam slaywatooth and squamish nations and thank you so much for listening and joining us on this awesome friday 